Now, that is not a policy that a retail company can scale, but that's how we try to differentiate. Hello, welcome to Shopify Masters, your companion for starting and building a business. I'm Shuang Estershan. Our guests today are fairly new to the direct-to-consumer world, but their business has been around for more than 80 years. Ashley and Chad Stark are cousins and the third generation running their family business, Stark, which is known for luxury, well-made carpets and rugs. The company's carpets have even graced the floors of the Oval Office in the White House. The duo has grown the company significantly in the last few years, including acquiring House Scalamandre and launching Ashley Stark Home, a line of home goods and yes, rugs. Ashley and Chad are going to share what they've learned so far in their e-commerce journey and how they're bringing their family business online. Thank you so much for being here, Ashley and Chad. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. Why don't we start with Chad? You've been with Stark ever since you were an intern, and you actually grew to the role of CEO in 2020. Can you share some philosophies on preserving that family legacy, as well as moving the company forward into the future? When I joined the business, Ashley had already been working for a few years, and everyone knew Ashley Stark, but no one knew Chad Stark. And before I was with the company full-time, I did a startup stint and tried to start a tech company and failed, like many of us do, and had some really valuable lessons that I learned there that I brought into the business. The key one being this idea of customer discovery, which is a methodology where you hypothesize about customer problems, you test those hypotheses, uh, you learn from your clients about how accurate were those hypotheses or not? Are they real problems? How's your solution? And then it's this iterative process going back and forth between hypothesis and solution until you're actually solving a real customer pain point. And having picked that up in in the startup world, that's kind of one of the main things that I did when I first joined the business. Uh, You know, everyone knew Ashley. And I said, all right, well, how can I introduce myself to the design community? I'm not going to do it in the same way Ashley has because she is, you know, a creative genius. Whereas I don't try to be that. I know I'm not that, you know, shapes and colors is not for me. But being one who prioritizes the experience of our clients uh, and our team members, for that matter, has really been my focus. And so using this customer discovery methodology having this mindset of innovation, which requires humility and curiosity, I'd say are the the key things that I did to learn about what do our clients think of us? How do they see the world evolving? And how can we maintain our heritage while thinking towards the future? And so a lot of it has come from them. We've had some great programs on the product standpoint that have come directly from feedback, like our quick ship handmade hand tufted program called Allegro, which came directly from client feedback. And so that's been a big part of my journey to learn about how we should evolve our business while maintaining our heritage. Sounds like it was very important to build up this feedback loop and actually have customers input into how business decisions are made. For Ashley, Chad has mentioned you've been with the company since 2004 and you're now the creative director. We would love to know your philosophies on design and how it's evolved over the years. Design is an ever-evolving thing and I often look towards fashion to gear me and I always say that home follows and lags six months to a year behind. So 
fashion is one of my first loves and I try to keep my pulse on that and in, incorporate what I'm seeing, whether it's color, patterns, texture, and incorporate that into like my current designs. And it takes us to develop products six months to a year anyway. So we sort of incorporate that and spring to the, f- the future. And I just try to keep everything really current and work with what I see around. I, I, I love to draw inspiration from traveling and seeing what's happening in other parts of the world. So that to me has been something I've used in my career and still continue to follow through with that every day. I love that drawing inspiration from the fashion industry, also your personal travels. Can you also speak to a little bit about how the interior design space might be different from those industries and how you're injecting this different perspective, maybe bringing in more brighter colors and that feminine touch that might be sometimes lacking in the industry? I think the biggest difference and something that everybody has to realize, you know, is fashion is a piece that you can wear this season and then not wear it next season. A home is not thought of that way. You know, when people are designing their homes, most people are designing for, you know, the rest of their lives or for a very long time. So I don't tend to be too trendy. You know, I've been called a a rebel traditionalist because I like to think of things in that are going to last. You don't want to, you know, spend so much money on, let's say, a rug, and then in five years be like, what was I thinking? And how can I change this? Because that's not what Stark is about. We're about heritage and how well our product is made and and how well it's maintained. I mean, I have people come up to me telling me that they have a rug from their grandmother that was passed down. So I often keep that in mind when I'm designing. I don't like to be too far in any direction. So when people come to me for kind of a home styling advice, you start with the the piece that's going to anchor the room, the rug that's going to be there for the long haul. And you can be crazy and lean into the trends in some of the the less expensive accessories, let's say for pillows or a throw blanket or some of the accent pieces. But when I'm thinking about rug designing and and our products, I want things that people are really going to say, oh, this is timeless. This is built to last. This will be in my home for the next you know, 20 to 30 years. So I try to incorporate the trends, but in a way that's manageable and in a way that people won't get sick of. And like you said, um, you know, I entered this workspace with two men who had run the company together for 20 plus years. And there was this femininity that was missing that I think most designers and homeowners can attest to that there's a feminine touch to the home. And I think that was what I really strive to bring to our company and what you can feel overarching, you know, and part of what makes Stark so amazing is we, we really rely on this amazing heritage. So I looked to some of the things that my grandmother brought in that, you know, that were very popular in her time. And then I just translate it to be current and of the moment, but again, keeping it timeless and not too trendy. Yeah. I think that's a great approach for any business to understand things that are classic, building that foundation, that anchor, and then experiment and injecting your perspective into those other pieces. Chad, for you, I think the question here is there has been very successful traditional channels that have been established by Stark, and then you decided to take the company and enter into the direct-to-consumer space. So talk to us about entering that new channel, the challenges, because I imagine selling heavy carpets and big pieces of design, it's very tough in this space when you're shipping directly to a customer. The world 
has changed so much since our company's origins. And it's always a fun conversation in our industry talking about, you know, trade only versus direct to consumer because America is the only country that has a trade only industry. You look in Europe, you look around the world, trade only doesn't exist. Some smart entrepreneurs built this exclusive and secretive industry in America, which from post-World War II through the 90s, early 2000s, made a lot of sense. But as information became more transparent, as transportation became easier and sourcing became easier, you know, what was once a product-driven industry, supply-driven industry, has morphed to be more of a demand-driven industry now, whereas there's a lot of similar products around the country, around the world, and you can't just win on product alone. And there's a lot of free educational resources out there, right? The DIY movement is a real thing. Oh, there's over 25,000 registered interior designers in in the USA, and only one in five homeowners with a household income of over $250,000 a year hire a designer. And so, It's been an eventuality of when our industry is going to evolve to be more welcoming of consumers. You know, my grandmother used to not let people into our showroom with a camera, (laughs) let alone a consumer coming in. So the world has just changed so much. And there's definitely a place for trade only in our industry at the boutique at the high end. And it all boils down to what company goals are. Our BHAG, we call it, our big, hairy, audacious goal is to be used in one area of every high-end design project globally. And if only one in five homes are hiring a designer, the only way to achieve that is expand distribution and come up with creative ways that cater to the trade but are welcoming to the homeowners. We've done that with brands. We've done that with different products. We've done that with different services. We call our model trade preferred. You know, we have a few different brands. We have a textile brand, Scalamandre. We have Stark as our core brand. And then we have our newest brand, Ashley Stark Home which is digital first direct consumer uh, from the onset. And it's, it's just always a fun conversation in our industry because not many of these heritage brands are ready to openly admit we're evolving past trade only, uh, but we are. And we're hoping that many others in our industry follow our lead because in order to provide a world-class experience, which is, which is our mission, provide world-class experiences, we don't distinguish between a homeowner or a designer. Design buildings used to make a homeowner feel bad if they would walk in without a designer, like they're not worthy of the products in the building. Now that's changed. And uh, there's some great companies in, in all industries that have showed the value of experiences and of making everyone feel worthy. And that's kind of how we've approached the carefulness of the evolution, because since our business is been built onto the trade, we absolutely are still focused on the trade, but you can focus on the trade and and sell to anybody. And that's what we're trying to work through with creative models and creative programs. Like one, for example, is called commission protection, where if if an interior designer specifies a product from us, gets a quote from us, and the, the homeowner that they're working with buys any product for that room from our company, If the designer got cut out and they message us, we give them 25% of whatever the homeowner spent. Now, that is not a policy that a retail company can scale, but that's how we try to differentiate. And so that's been kind of step one is how do we build programs that show the interior design community that we're not abandoning them because we're not. And we just need to show that, uh, put money where our mouth is, where I can assure you any designer we've sent a 25% commission check to when their homeowner went around them, now they're a client for life. 
So that was challenge one. Challenge two is we've been very lucky, I guess you could say, that we work with interior designers because they're an educated client, they are a repeat client, and the marketing costs is a lot less to acquire and to maintain, especially when you have a brand that's 85 years old, that's been in the industry for a long time, where we're really, really well known by really few people. So as we evolve to be more direct to consumer, as you can see with some of our more recent marketing messaging and creative that obviously Ashley is, is a driving force for, we're trying to become more well-known and more recognizable as a brand, but the marketing costs of being direct to consumer, the churn of direct to consumer, the return rate of direct to consumer, the educational component of direct to consumer, the average order value of direct to consumer, everything is different about the business. And I think we underestimated a little bit some of the challenges when we launched Ashley Stark Home, mostly around price point. You know, we have a great audience, but the Stark average order value is over $7,000. If you look in the world of direct-to-consumer online rugs, it's much, much lower than that, if not more than 50% lower, you know, $2,000, $2,500, something in that range. And so our Ashley Stark Home product line, and again, prices vary by size, is a lower price point assortment for our showrooms, but it's still at the top of the market as it relates to direct-to-consumer. And helping educate consumers around the value of that product and acquiring them through digital media has been, I think, the biggest learning for us. Uh, how do we do that better? And I'd say it's been really valuable more than just for how do we grow the direct consumer business is as we become more digitally savvy, better understand how to segment our clients and build automation to nurture them, that's absolutely helping our core business by reaching a larger audience of interior designers. It sounds like the team is really balancing, leveraging those traditional channels, but also entering direct-to-consumer. Would love to dig in deeper on Ashley Stark Home. I understand, Ashley, this is something that really grew from your Instagram following. Tell us more about launching your own brand. So I have the unique ability to talk directly to the consumer because of my Instagram. So, you know, I had been working before opening Ashley Stark Home with a lot of different brands and doing a lot of different partnerships. And people were coming to me and saying like, why don't you start your own line here? Why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? Will you do this for me? Will you do a wallpaper line for me? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, everybody keeps asking me to do this, but why, why would I do it with them? Why shouldn't I do it for myself? Then the second thing that happened is COVID happened and everybody kind of isolated the world changed. Everything went online. You know, we're conducting our business. And I just felt like there was a different way to hit consumers. I mean, I had this idea and I said, you know, I went to Chad and I'm like, will you be my business partner? Will you help me do this? Everybody keeps asking me to do this for their company. Like, let's do this for us and let's make it accessible to everybody. And let's have this great online platform and let's give everybody a piece of who I am and what I have in my home because all day long people are asking me what you know what's your paint color what's the rug you have here what's the frame you're doing how are you setting your table let's give them a vehicle so that I can point them to us instead of pointing them to these other companies and I think that was a big realization and then in building you know with my townhouse and I had this great experience where I was able to reach everybody and I took them through the whole process of it and you know it was step by step the People knew when like the kitchen cabinets went in. So I feel like this, there was this way I wanted to be able to show myself to 
my client base. So even still now, when we do like an Ashley Stark home photo shoot, it takes place in my house. And and when I put things down, I'm like, what would I do in my living room? Like if I was redoing it now, which rug would I put down? And that's sort of what ends up in my house and in these photo shoots. And it's all available on our website. And that to me was so important. Like I believe in these products because that's a lot of the things that are on there are actually things from my own home and actually things that I wanted to use. And I think that was really important to me. And it was really nice for once to be able to sway my audience to somewhere and somewhere that was me and my company. I fought for a lower price point. I fought for some funkier rugs that my father, who couldn't necessarily understand, didn't necessarily wanted to invest the money in. And then now he trusts me and sees how much it sells. And he, this gave me so much more freedom to be able to do a different look and, you know, a whole other price point and a whole other piece. So it's been a lot of fun. And, and I really love sharing that part of me. I think the thing about renovations or renovation content on social media is that it's a series of content that people love to follow and they love to see that completion. So I totally understand that your fans would love to actually get a piece of the different products that you're actually incorporating into your home. Maybe tell us a little bit about the process of product expansion and figuring out the right designs for the new product lines that actually can be complementary to the existing lines and the process that goes into that? So, you know, a lot of this really was just a natural evolution. So, you know, one of our more successful lines is the Diane James collaboration of Faux Flowers. And that, again, was just completely organic. I never was really into Faux Flowers whatsoever. I reached out when I was doing my home, because I really wanted branches. I have very tall ceilings in my living room that you don't necessarily can get on camera, but they're very tall. And I felt like I needed some sort of height. So I reached out to Diane James on Instagram. I was like, hey, I'm a big fan. I always have cherry blossoms in my house. It's getting so expensive, like every month to have to replace them. If I sent you some ideas, could you make me a set for my living room? And she's like, you know, we did it. She sent it to me. And I think it was like almost maybe two years later that this line came about. But when we were talking about who I would want to collaborate with, I was like, we have to do this. Like people come into my house and are like, oh my God, these branches are amazing. And I'm like, I did them with Diane James years before I even came up with this line. So again, like this is something that I developed and I have all over my house because I love it. And it's something that I was, you know, when I'm designing it, I design for, okay, I have, you know, a breakfast room, what would be great in the breakfast room? And then that's the piece that is arranged or, you know, what, what do I see for fall? Like, what am I loving? Magnolia. So that's where sort of where it comes out. And, you know, I'm, again, that's like an extension of me, totally organic part of the company that kind of just fell into my lap and coordinates so well with everything else that we have on the website because it works to make your house a home. Everyone loves a collaboration. So that sounds so interesting. I would love to also get into the aspect of Stark has been around for decades and it's a premier brand that so many has known and you've been so comfortable in different channels, but entering online is actually something new for the team. And you're in the same position as many of our listeners trying to build that experience you get in showrooms 
into the online space. So what were some of the biggest learning curves that you want to share for our listeners to keep in mind when they're also building their first online store? We're living it, right, Chad? We're living it right now. (laughs) Yeah, we're living it. I'd say the biggest learning as it relates to like a foundational strategic insight that influences decisions was that the person who's shopping online wants different things and wants to experience products in such a different way than they want to in store. We try to have an omni-channel experience online and offline. And some people want an online offline experience and we want to cater to them and create an integration between online and offline as best we can, like buy a sample online or request a visit online or schedule a, a rug showing online and things like that. But what we've found and what we underestimated was how large the group would be of people who want the online only experience and what they want is very different than what you want in store. So for example, we have thousands of product in our showroom and the way our showrooms have always been designed is extremely overwhelming for someone who's not familiar with our brand. It's not really built to allow people to just browse themselves because there's so much product. You know, it's our sales team are like the doctors. You go to a doctor because you have something wrong, but you don't know what. They give you a solution. Our salespeople are kind of the same is you have a project, you have a certain aesthetic, you have a certain price point, you have a certain timeline. And we help you curate and find the right product through a visually appealing search through our product in person. In store, I think the merchandising was something we underestimated in terms of, I don't know if underestimated is the right word. It's something that we didn't quite understand because overwhelming with product and and having someone assist in the search is so foundational to the way our showrooms work that we've learned is it's too overwhelming online. No matter how smart you make a search, it's still much easier to overwhelm a homeowner or someone who's not as familiar with our product from the website. And so coming to terms with the fact that what's the different and unique value proposition of our website compared to our showroom, not how do we bring our showroom online? I think that was a really valuable insight for us on the Stark side. And on the Ashley Stark home side, that's definitely a little different because it's a digital first brand. You know, the Ashley Stark home rug collection is the most successful collection that Stark's ever had through the showrooms. It's been much more successful, honestly, through the showrooms than it has been online. Not to say that there hasn't been success online, it's just been an insane success through our showrooms because we brought in this new price point. And so realizing the product preference differences, the average order value differences, and really in many ways, it's a completely new customer. And we have to think of it like a completely new business. I like the way you mentioned that it is a different mindset and also a different environment you're creating because now you're reaching a bigger audience that might have not known about Stark in the past. Because we're in this new playing field, how do you inject all that history and story into marketing and into the different pieces of storytelling to actually have that legacy while you're still reaching that new audience and make that easy to digest when they're shopping as well? I'd say, I mean, we're definitely leveraging video and and Ashley can talk a little more about the storytelling that we're doing with video with some of the Ashley Stark home stuff. It's a challenge because we walk into our stores, our showrooms, and it's clear we're not just this startup that is flashy. Online, the playing field is leveled. You could, you know, 
with not that much money and some great photography, launch a, a new brand online that can appear as heritage, so to speak, as a company like ours. So it's definitely a challenge to differentiate for the online only customer when compared to the digital first brands. We're really focused on showcasing the extent of our inventory because you can launch a brand, but you can't buy $50 million of inventory easily. <laughs> and also really encouraging the online shopper and making it as easy as possible for the online shopper to come in store. Because you know, just from a sheer business standpoint, our conversion of interest to order is exponentially higher in our store than it is online. And so really the focus of our startcarpet.com website, and in some ways, many of the flows we built on the Ashley Stark home site is get someone in store. You know, whether it's every product detail page allowing you to visualize in your room and schedule a meeting or the, the marketing flows and, and the client engagement team that we have following up after sample orders. We're really trying to highlight our showroom network and how do you see this product in person? Because even when you, you order or buy a sample, it doesn't look as good as a big piece. Carpets and rugs specifically, or even wall covering for that matter, and, and textiles, it always looks better in a big piece. And we're never sampling big pieces. We're sampling quality and color references. But like our animals, for example, if you want to talk about heritage and timeless design, I picture luxury homes in the year 2200 are going to have antelope on their stairs. <laughs> but seeing our antelope pattern in a sample is nothing compared to seeing it with a full repeat. And I think the full repeat is like two and a half feet. And so really doubling down on we have this network of showrooms. We have 150 of the best and most knowledgeable sales team members in the entire industry. Like get in touch and let us help you. It's not an interior design service, but it's really like flooring consulting. And, and we, as much as we can play that up in our messaging, our, our design of the website and those marketing automation flows, I think that's one area we've been focused on differentiating other than the creative. Sounds great. Really creating the passing of the baton from online to bring customers into that in-store showroom experience. Ashley, what about you? Your takes on sharing that legacy story online through marketing and other content efforts? I mean, I think, first of all, Chad touched on most of it, but the biggest thing that I could say and that I'm always pushing for is content creation, honestly. It's like, it's just never, it's never ending. You know, everybody's like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And because of like, you know, Instagram and TikTok and whatever it is, it's information and it is, it's building a story and showing it. And that's really the form of marketing these days. It's not necessarily like, you know, you go to my dad and he thinks, okay, photo shoot, add an architectural digest, but that's not really what online is about. And that's not really where the world kind of is. It's, you know, it's, it's storing everyday products and seeing how I'm using it in my home or how other people are having it in their home. And it's just constant marketing. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for an online brand. It's just how much content you have to put out there to really get eyeballs onto your site and also to stay current and fresh. It's like, think about like the fashion industry. It's like these websites went from posting what's new, like once a month to once a week to every three days. To me, I'm like, I'm always pushing everybody in the company to keep current because you got to keep going, you know? 
It's great hearing both your perspectives on storytelling and marketing, and we'll dig in deeper on Stark's business journey. By the way, now would be a good time to subscribe to Shopify Masters so you never miss an episode. Leave us a review or comments for the show. It helps other people to discover the podcast as well. Thank you so much. So I would love to get a sense of the experience being online for a little while now. Are you getting some of the feedback from your online customers and incorporating that direct-to-consumer feedback in different areas of the business? When we think about the Stark side, one of the big things we were excited for with the new site was this product visualizer that we have, uh, which nothing revolutionary about seeing a product in a space, right? Um, But for us, where it became a little more challenging is, you know, definitely want people to be able to see it in their own room, but carpet can be installed wall to wall. It can be finished as a rug or it can be put on stairs. And your standard visualizer doesn't let you put carpet on stairs. And stairs is like one of our specialties. And we really spent a lot of time uh, working with Uh, different visualizer partners to figure out what's the best solution for us. And so now every page on starcarpet.com is a visualizer, upload your own picture, look at anything as carpet or rug and see it on stairs. And we've gotten an overwhelmingly positive response to that. And as we teach our clients that, they're getting excited because they're getting answers more quickly without having to, in their eyes, bother our sales team. So I'd say that's kind of one one of the key things on the Stark side we've learned is the visualizer we knew was going to be impactful, but it's been, I think, more impactful than we expected, which is a good thing. And now the question is, how do we bring that same capability when someone's browsing in store? Even if they can see a full rug, all they're seeing is the full rug. They're not seeing that rug in their space or in a space and very quickly and easy and seamlessly getting them to when, when our sales team checks the inventory and the price, also enable the visualization component, as well as being able to get them that imagery in real time. So by the time they get home, they have all the information they need at their fingertips connected with our website. So I think that kind of starting with the visualization, coming in store, getting back home and connecting it all with visuals to help inspire more and improve conversion. I'd say that's one of the key things that we've learned thus far that we're trying to implement in store. Amazing. It sounds like a fun video game element too, where you can, you know, create your ideal room and have different ways to visualize how a piece might go inside of it. Ashley, for yourself, has there been feedback from the direct-to-consumer customers that you've actually taken and incorporated into your design process? The biggest thing that was kind of shocking to me was how many of the direct-to-consumer people wanted to see it in person. That was one of the biggest responses that I saw on Instagram whenever I post, it's where can I see this? And then I'm like, okay, well, where are you located? And luckily we have this huge infrastructure where I can direct them to their closest showroom. People really love to see it and they love to be able to touch it and they love to um, have that experience. You know, what has been interesting though, in terms of the product side is not necessarily the product design, but you know, one of the brand touch points is when they receive the product. So when we sell to an interior designer, typically the designer gathers products from a number of vendors and then coordinates the delivery or we send it to a workroom, whatever. 
But when we're saying selling direct to consumer, we're often shipping it to a home and they have the option for white glove service, but not everyone wants to pay for that. And we've learned that we can't just ship the product to a homeowner who spent $20,000 online the same way we would ship it to a workroom who's then gonna prepare it to be presented to the homeowner. Because when we first started, someone bought like a $20,000 rug online and got a folded rug and white unbranded shipping material. And they're like, I think I got the wrong order. But it was the right order and it was the right rug, but the packaging and the fulfillment process was not representative of the quality of the rug. Because usually that's, we ship it to an intermediary. <laughs> and so I think that was a big piece of feedback we got from our NPS surveying of homeowners is the value and importance of the unboxing experience, I guess you can call it. Yeah. And I think, you know, because of social media, we all love that unboxing experience. So it's great to hear that you're incorporating that feedback. Ashley, for yourself, speaking of social media, you've been posting for so many years consistently and have created this community of fans. What is your advice for our listeners who also want to build a community online and adopt their content strategy over the years so that they know about these unboxing experience and they're staying on top of the trends as they're changing? So social media has been one of the most time-consuming things that I've ever done in my life. And I happen to love it. And I think the biggest thing that I can say and the biggest piece of advice I can give anybody is to stay engaged. Instagram is really a community. People love to engage with each other. I love to engage with my followers. I spent the first three or four years literally responding to every comment that was given to me on my pages, writing for people, looking at other designers. And then I, what I noticed was you build this, literal community and people I would write on their page and then they would write on my page and we would interact and, you know, they would post something I like, oh my God, this is great. I love this room. I love the way this console. And then I'd post something myself and I'd see that same person who I wrote on their page reciprocating to me. And it's such a tool to see what people are liking, what people are interested in, you know, like I'll post a picture and I'll think it's, you know, the coolest room and it might not get that many likes or comments. And then I'll post something that, maybe is a little different. And then it will be all of a sudden I'll look down and it'll be like 15,000 likes. It's such a way to see you're like, okay, well, so what is it about this room that's different than the room that only got a thousand likes? You can dig deeper into it. You read the comments, you see what people are responding to and you stay engaged and that's how you stay current. And you, it's, it's basically like free marketing because I'm able to go on and say, like, I see 10,000 people commented on how much they like this pattern, you know, and Maybe they weren't responding to the other pattern. So this will probably be a good seller and the other one will probably not sell as much or we'll have to do market more or maybe it's not shown in the best way. But my advice to anybody is stay engaged, find your community. So you build that up. It really is. It's also a way like to not feel discouraged. Like everybody's in it together and it really is a community. It really is. Yeah. And I love that you've really put the community at the heart of it. And I think that community aspect is also in the heart of everything that the two of you are doing. I understand, you know, the community of interior designers is also so important to Stark. So talk to us a little bit about building those relationships over the years and creating those events that really speak to that interior design community. The relationship building strategy hasn't really evolved so much since our grand 
parents were around and running the business is what do people want? They just want to feel heard. They want to feel appreciated and they want to feel known uh, and seen. And that's what built our company is not hosting an event trying to get 250 people. It's hosting a dinner and have having real and authentic conversations with 20 people. That's not like scalable, I guess you could say, in the world of startups and venture capital, but that's what we find to be the most effective ROI, not just on our time, but our money as well, is you know, spend time with people, get to know them, understand their family, their dreams, their challenges, and, and how do we just partner with them? Because uh, we're at the end of the day, the trade business, it's like, it's like a B2B to C sale. At the end of the day, us and the designer are on the same page. We want the homeowner to be happy. And if the homeowner's happy, they hire the designer again for another project. And the designer's happy that we were able to support them and they keep coming back to us. Like we don't ask them to have hundreds, sell to hundreds of people as, you know, sell to a couple dozen people, get to know them, keep them happy. And when the opportunity arises where there is a service hiccup, because there will always be service hiccups in a handmade business, that's when we can show our true stripes. And when we try to instill this uh, freedom within a framework, so to speak, within our culture, I'll tell people by the time it gets to me, not only is it too late, but I'm the biggest pushover in our company. If clients having an issue and they ask me, what can I do to help? Like, I'm gonna do more than they would have done. So why don't they just feel comfortable doing whatever they think they need to. I can't remember a single time in our company where someone got in trouble for doing right by the customer, no matter what it was. And so that's just the mindset we try to instill, which is consistent with our company mission to create world-class experiences, create the autonomy for our team members. You know, it makes them feel appreciated and trusted. That autonomy can fuel an experience for our clients where the relationships make them feel heard and known. Yeah. And I like that, how it's a full circle kind of moment, because at the top of the show, you mentioned how the biggest thing you wanted to bring in to Stark was creating feedback loops. And it sounds like having these events, having those in-person relationship building is a great way for understanding the feedback and incorporating it into different ways of operating this business. Of course, we have to wrap up the show and get your takes on working with your loved ones, especially for Stark, a company that spans three generations. What is your advice for working with your family? Well, um, for me, it came completely naturally. My father and I worked very well together. I think the biggest hiccup for me was maintaining my voice and knowing when to advocate for myself. And I learned that pretty on in the scheme of things. And then, you know, we all kind of have our individual roles at the company, which I think is really one of my biggest things, you know, is define everybody's role. So we made clear defined roles and we went with it. And then within that, just remembering to be able to use your voice, even if it is different for, for me, it was being a female, working with two men, my father and my uncle, and trying to be taken seriously. So when I realized the louder my voice was, the stronger everybody was going to listen to me. Then the rest was, you know, that was many, many years ago. And the rest was just keeping clear defined roles and then where you overlap, knowing and deferring to each other. Yeah. Advocating for those design choices and really carving out a space that so many of your fans love. So yeah, what about you, Chad? 
I definitely agree that clear lanes is is key. It's interesting though how that changes from generation to generation because our fathers are probably more similar to each other than Ashley and I are to each other. And so their division of roles was more about product categories than functions versus Ashley and I's is more about functions. But in either case, even though the divisions were different, they were still divisions. And I think Ashley and I haven't been tested for 50 years sharing an office. Our fathers shared an office for 50 years, which is, yeah, that's impressive in and of itself. Also for team members and for leadership overall, it's just frequent informal feedback. When, when there's an issue and you wait to talk about that issue, a small issue after a long period of time of waiting can feel like someone's, if you if you tell me something that I did three months ago, like, why didn't you tell me three months ago? I feel like you're attacking me as a person, not attacking the action that I took. And so, you know, if ever, if we start from the place that everyone has the positive intention, which family members, owners, you know, of course, we all have the same intent. It doesn't always show up the same way, which is fine. We're all different people, but giving feedback to each other and not being worried about being political and just being direct and doing it frequently. So it's not like, all at once, but it's a lot of little things. I think that's been helpful. I mean, I can't speak to if our fathers ever did that. Uh, probably they're very direct guys, but Ashley and I definitely will give this direct feedback to each other as needed in real time. Love it. Clear communication. And also I love chatting with both of you, getting the sense of that right brain, left brain energy that really complement each other. Well, thank you so much, Ashley and Chad for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It was fun. That's Ashley Stark, CEO of Ashley Stark Home and creative director of Stark. Chad Stark is the CEO of Stark. Shopify Masters is produced by Megan Coyle and Gogo Zoger. Our engineers are Miku Betlam and Matt Schwartz. Benjamin Gottlieb is our supervising producer. And I'm Shwang Estershan. We'll catch you next time on Shopify Masters. 